0: Uh, is, is this a Songfest Volume 4? Has it already started? Because this is from the TC Martin Show Songfest Volume 3, which you heard on Thursday and on Monday, Labor Day. And you heard our next guest play DJ. And maybe shocking to many that he went with this song. Especially coming off of past years, like coming off of Misled and some Earth, Wind, and Fire, some Cool in the Gang. And he went ABBA with us. I think we we might need another explanation again, even though it was a great explanation. The one and only Trevor Mad joined this in his football season, and he is the dancing queen
1: or the dancing king right now with Abba. TC Martin, <laughs> I am not much of a dancer, <laughs> but I tell you what, I love this song. Now, the, the reason behind it is, first of all, it's upbeat, man. You can't yeah. it. You can't dance like me. Yeah. You gotta move, right? Uh, uh, but I love my wife, and my wife loves Abba. And a couple years ago, we went to Red Rock near Denver and watched—you know, outdoor amphitheater—and watched a fantastic Abba tribute band in a blizzard. Almost everybody was gone. Just Dana and I were there, and uh, and just a handful of other people. And the band decided that if we were going to stay, they were going to stay, and they played, and it was amazing. And to see the joy. In my, on my wife's face, as she just danced the, the day away, the night away, in the blizzard, in the snow, to one of, to her favorite band. I mean, it's it just one of her favorite bands. You know. And so I wanted to pay tribute to that moment. And I think that Vule Boo is one of those songs that has such an upbeat vibe. Even if it's snowing like crazy, you are on your feet and dancing. Now, did
0: Dana actually listen to your dedication and uh, your your rendition of that on Thursday or Monday?
1: She didn't get to hear it, but I did tell her uh, how I introed it, and she was like, "Yeah, she was happy about that." You know, <laughs> that's awesome. I, mean, I could very well have gone with something a lot darker, but uh, but that's an upbeat song. The thing is, one thing I will never do to you, because this is uh, some of our favorite songs, right? It's not yeah. like our number one all time favorite song. What I wouldn't want to do is pick a ballad that I absolutely love. All right, TC. I just love Neil Diamond, Love on the Rocks. Let's all go to sleep for the next three minutes. Ready, go. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's a great song, but come on, man. So I figured what's up beaten and, uh, what, what has a good story in my life? And that did.
0: And that's what I love about Trevor Maddich because he puts so much thought and effort to everything he does. I mean, everything from a broadcasting perspective. Probably, it probably takes him five minutes every morning to pick out his underwear and socks as well, too. I mean, that's how meticulous that my man is here. But to think that out like that, I appreciate that because there are, there were a couple guys that went ballads on us. I didn't want to correct them and say, you know, let's keep it upbeat. But I didn't even need to tell you that. You said, you know, hey, I don't want to go there. I I want to go upbeat. And I appreciate that because when I pick my favorite songs, too, I mean, I very easily could go, That's the Way of the World or Reasons by Earth, Wind & Fire. Two of my all-time favorite songs, but not for that show. So we're on the same page, brother, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I would fantasy. Yes. Because of that very reason. And I I agree with that. It's It's like understanding the game you're playing, right? The NFL, what is the NFL ultimately? Is it sports? No. The NFL is a TV show. That's why they've passed so many rules to protect quarterbacks and to protect receivers so there's more action, more scoring, more guys running around with the football in their arm in open space with desperate defenders diving at their ankles, trying to trip them up before they score a 60-yard touchdown because it's a TV show. So... You know, what you're doing with this is exciting and fun for the audience. And so let's be exciting and fun for the audience. That's my thought.
0: There it is, my friend. All right. So let's talk about something that's not uh, fun and exciting for the audience. And that is the implosion of the Pac 12 that has happened right mm. in front of our eyes. Uh, Trevor, there's two teams left. This is uh, ridiculous. And I want your take on this. And then more importantly, do you have any idea? What is going to happen next year with this conference? Will it even be around well, officially?
1: I don't really know. I, I think there's a lot of brand value in the in the Pac-12. I just don't know how they restock it. The most easy thing to talk about is okay. Well, let's just bring in the entire Mountain West into the Pac-12. Well, it would have to be the entire Mountain West, and so they would have to waive grant of rights and the buyout fees and stuff like that and make the Pac-12 the Mountain West plus Oregon State and Washington State. That that may be a thing they may do because contracts are made to be broken. And so, but they'd have to make deals with the uh, broadcast partners that they have now to make sure that that's okay. So that's a possibility because if they don't do that, then the Pac-12 just goes away. The brand goes away. And so I, I it'll be interesting to see what kind of contractual gymnastics happen to possibly bring a conference into the Pac-12 and keep the Pac-12 brand it, branding instead of just having Oregon State and Washington State join a, a smaller conference. Let me ask you this. From the Mount West perspective,
0: okay, I mean, you're the commissioner of the Mount West, and here, Gloria Narva, Navarez, who came over from the, uh, WCC, she takes this over. Now, all of a sudden, you saying, okay, well, this is what we want to do. What, what repercussions would the, what would happen with the Mountain West? What, from a legality standpoint, everything else, does that maybe, is it a merger? Does it, is it a, is it a, a different name? Or well, let's look at it from their
1: perspective. Yeah, and this is all speculation on my part because I haven't seen any information about what the contracts look like, et cetera. But just looking at the concept from 30,000 feet, it seems like the Mountain West infrastructure would have to come over with the Mountain West teams. And then, once again, the broadcast partners would need to agree to do this so that there's no buyouts, there's no grant of rights problems. And then they would just add Washington to Washington State because there won't be any grant of rights or buyout problems with them next year. It's all move for free anywhere anybody will take them. But in order for that to happen with the Mountain West, they would have to bring the Mountain West infrastructure with them. Now, they may retain some of the Pac-12 infrastructure, meaning league office personnel, et cetera. They may not, but I don't think the Mountain West would agree if they said, "Yeah, hey, all our teams, why don't you go and merge into the Pac-12 and we'll just all lose our jobs, but boy, we'll have plenty of time to watch you play football." You know, I don't think that would happen. But again, what's best for for college football? And right now, the Mountain West is a great brand. I love the Mountain West, right? But nationally, the Pac-12 is a bigger brand. And it may well be internationally the Pac-12 is a bigger brand, especially when you talk about just some of the things that have happened in Asia with Pac-12 basketball and things like that. So I kind of think they'll try to figure out a way to keep the Pac-12 brand, but how they do that is going to take, once again, some contractual gymnastics. It is
0: crazy. All right, Trevor Mads joins us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we saw last week on the college football side. Colorado, the big story. Uh, they go in to Fort Worth and they beat TCU. TCU is a 20-point favorite in this game, and uh, give the Buffaloes credit. A whole new roster, 60 transfers, Deion Sanders, their head coach. Talk a little bit about what you saw, what did you notice
1: with these Colorado Buffaloes. Well, wait a minute. Colorado beat TCU? I've been following Deion Sanders' social media feeds, and he didn't mention anything about that. He didn't. what did he talk about? (laughs) <laughs> he was talking about, uh, whether or not they should join the man list. The, uh, the, the, what, what coach prime did in the aftermath is controversial and in a lot of ways just absolutely exhilarating. And that, that's a separate thing, right? Uh, on the field, what a moment. I mean, what vindication for those players, all new players, what 80 some new players came in and, and new coaching staff, of course. And no one really knew what they were going to be. The Colorado fans, long-suffering Colorado fans, oh, bless their hearts. They were hoping. It was all hype and it was all hope. They had a lot of sparks, but no fire yet because they hadn't played yet before the TCU game. And they were hoping, but I don't think really even most Colorado fans hoped this would happen because not only did they spank TCU. I mean, it was a tight game. It was, what, 45 to 42? Right. But every time TCU came back and took the lead, Colorado answered and retook the lead. Then TCU came back and took the lead again. Then Colorado answered and retook the lead. And it was just, it was like normally in a game like that, where you have a team like Colorado that you expect to be not nearly as good as TCU, 17th ranked team in the nation in the preseason played for the national championship last year, restocked their roster with a lot of, of uh, really good transfers themselves. Normally you'd think that Colorado would jump out to a lead early because of how fired up they were. And then once TCU started to get it rolling, TCU would just get ahead and stay ahead. Right. That's what happened with Washington against Boise state. That's what happened with, with Florida state against TCU or LSU. You know, it it happens much of the time. But it didn't happen with this. Every time TCU tried to take over as the ostensibly superior team, Colorado wasn't having it because it turns out they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Shadour Sanders. They have a lot of speed at wide receiver and at running back, and they have an offensive coordinator in the, the former head coach from Kent State who knows how to spread the field and get the ball to those fast guys in space, and Colorado wasn't going to wilt. And I tell you, the way they won with that was just so much more satisfying because of that.
0: You mentioned Florida State beating LSU, and again, that was uh, another minor upset. And that wasn't a major upset, it was a minor upset. But I think the alarm went off, Trevor, because of, Okay, Brian Kelly didn't have a great year with LSU last year, and everybody thought, okay, you know, once he gets his you know recruiting class in, year number two, look out for the Tigers. And then you got you know Jaden, Jalen Daniels coming back, Jaden Daniels coming back, a transfer from Arizona State, and not crazy about him. Really didn't see you know nothing to get excited about uh, him again. So, what is going on at LSU? And how much scrutiny is Brian Kelly going to face, especially in that Bayou Bengal Tiger Nation that we've that we've seen them get rid of? You know, previous coaches like Ed Orsborn for not winning enough.
1: Yeah, well, Ed Orsborn won the national championship, <laughs> and what? Just a few years later, they fired him. Correct. So it's like, well, okay, well, that that didn't last long. The uh, the thing about Brian Kelly is that he is one of the best coaches in college football, and last year is being compared to this year, and I think. That's one of the problems with how LSU fans are seeing this loss that just happened to Florida State. Because last year, LSU beat Alabama. LSU won the SEC West and played for the SEC Championship. And I think a lot of people expected them this year coming in to be a a playoff contender because of that in year two of Brian Kelly. But the truth of it is, LSU was a bit over their skis last year. You know, that Alabama win was a uh, walk-off field goal. And Alabama lost that game as much as LSU won it. LSU then, before the SEC championship game, lost to a bad Texas A&M team, right? So it's not like they just dominated everybody. But I think there was an expectation this year that's not quite right because LSU had a lot of inexperience in their secondary and very little depth. And that secondary inexperience is what really bit them in the second half of this game against Florida State in week one because once it became established that – the, the pass rushers of LSU weren't going to be able to beat the pass protection of Florida State because the Seminoles offensive line got a lot better. Then Jordan Travis, the Seminole quarterback just sat back there and threw the ball high in the air to his transfer wide receiver, Keon Coleman from Michigan State, who played some basketball at Michigan State. He's six four. He can jump out of the building. LSU was, was covering him with one guy and he just went up and, and won the rebound over and over again he ended up with like three touchdown passes and so the um the thing about lsu is this is more a statement that florida state has arrived i believe than it is uh an indictment of lsu and if i'm an lsu fan i'm i don't like it but i also understand that last year was sort of a gift and this program still has some growing to do Mm -hmm.
0: Speaking of Alabama, a uh, huge game this week against Texas. Uh, we rarely see marquee matchups, uh, early on in the season that really get our attention. And Alabama's three, Texas is 11. Even though Texas is, is ranked 11, I think a lot of people are thinking, no, this could be a, a national championship contender when it's all said and done, or at least the top four or five team, uh, you know, down the road. Uh, this game is going to be at Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Talk about Alabama-Texas this week.
1: This is fascinating to me. Because coming into this season, I thought, and I still believe this, that Alabama did not have a quarterback or receiver on their roster that would start for Texas. Not a one. That's not to say Alabama doesn't have potential and doesn't have some talent. It just means that the quarterbacks for Alabama are very inexperienced, And the receiving core for Alabama was last year just, in my opinion, abysmal. I mean, they were so bad for Bryce Young, I was mad at him. And Bryce Young, I thought last year, had a better year than he did when he won the Heisman the year before because his receivers dropped so many passes. His receivers were in the wrong spot so often that he had to hold on to the ball instead of throwing on time to a spot. And so Young got hit far more hard than he ever should have been, Right. And so these, these receivers have a lot to prove for Alabama, where Texas was Xavier Worthington leading the receiving core, one of the best in college football. And then here comes A.D. Mitchell, transfer receiver from Georgia, to join the Longhorns to make him even deeper and more explosive. Quinn Ewers, a quarterback in his second full year as a starter there. Remember that last year, Ewers, when they faced Alabama, was torching Alabama's secondary with precision deep balls. And then he got hurt, and Bama was able to win that game. But you know, if, if Ewers is able to play like he did last year, uh, then Alabama might be in some trouble because Texas is stout on both lines of scrimmage. They're good in the secondary. They're fine at running back. Maybe they're not as good as Alabama on both lines of scrimmage, but they're good enough to compete. And where I think this game is going to be won and lost is going to be in the downfield deep strike passing game, because I don't think Texas is going to be able to grind out long drives on the ground against Alabama's defense. But with some injuries in the secondary, especially at safety for Alabama, I think that Texas is going to have the opportunity to have some big chunk plays, and it could get interesting. Now, having said that, Jalen Milrow, quarterback for Alabama, did a magnificent job last week against Middle Tennessee, and he dropped some dimes deep down the field and had some wonderful throws. (laughs) Let's see if he can do that consistently now against the Power Five defense, because last year that wasn't his mo. He was a great runner. And a very erratic passer. So we'll see if he can be consistent.
0: All right. You got a pick in that game, Trevor? We got Alabama favored by seven.
1: I do. Yeah? Well, right now I pick I pick Texas to win it. So if Alabama is favored by seven, I guess I'm picking Texas to cover too, aren't I? This sound, this sounds like it could be
0: a preview of Trevor Manage's best bets on Friday.
1: Yeah, yeah, it might be. I'm not sure if that's a best bet. We'll see. i got to get my brain kind of wrapped around it. But I thought coming into the season that Texas was going to win that game because of their edge at combination quarterback and receiver. All
0: right, we'll monitor that. All right, week two, really week two of the college football season. Uh, Full slew of games, my friend. Who you got your eye on?
1: Well, I start with I got my eye on, on the quarterbacks. These aren't big games, but when you look at Ohio State, Uh, they they didn't start out very, uh, auspiciously. There wasn't a lot of smoothness with their, um, new quarterback, Kyle McCord and his receivers. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe the best receiver in college football, go top 10 in the draft when he comes out. He only had two catches. He was like a decoy half the time or much of the time. And so I want to see that Ohio State passing attack be a little more smooth against Youngstown State. Same way with Georgia, by the way, against Ball State. You know, Connor, um, oh, Carson, Carson Beck was the starting quarterback for Georgia. He replaced Stetson Bennett and he did well last week. But again, it was not as precise as I would have wanted it to have been. And so, you know, I want to see those quarterbacks play better. Then when it comes to, uh, just games, I'm looking at Utah's interesting because they spanked Florida last week in their opener running the third and fourth options at quarterback because of injury. Now they go to Baylor. Baylor has their second quarterback now, too. But the more games Utah can win without Cam Rising, they're starting a quarterback playing because he he hurt his knee in the Rose Bowl and he's still on the way back. If they don't lose any games and then Rising comes back, Utah is going to be an absolute um, threat. To make the playoff and then make some noise there because of the way they're built. I'm interested in Nebraska, Colorado. This is going to be in Boulder. This is fascinating because Colorado, everybody now has them making the playoff and not only that, but also making the Super Bowl and a good chance to win the Super Bowl this year after <laughs> they went against TCU in college football. Nebraska last week, you know, did a typical Nebraska and lost because of mistakes to Minnesota. But Nebraska's offense actually moved the ball pretty well against Minnesota. They just couldn't finish. And their defense played very well. And the thing about Nebraska's defense with Matt Rule as their head coach who's a defensive guy, they will look at the mistakes that TCU's defense made and look to not repeat them and make it harder for Colorado to get players in space now because now they'll be able to see what they're doing with what players. So this is an interesting game. I haven't, I haven't decided who I'm picking on this. Colorado's favored by three right now, but I can see this thing being close.
0: I mean, uh, disappointing effort by Nebraska last week, disappointing effort by Baylor last week, losing at Texas State. I mean, just uh, r- rather shocking. And whether those are, are those teams were looking ahead, I don't know. But, uh, again, you know, you, you bring up, uh, Two great games to keep an eye on, the Utah-Baylor game and the Colorado-Nebraska game. I'm with you, brother. You know I'm going to keep an eye on that. And, of course, the Texas-Alabama game, uh, 4 o'clock Pacific time, uh, and I love watching games at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, we've got a- ourselves a pretty darn good week of college football on Saturday.
1: It'll be great. I mean, Texas Tech went up to Wyoming and lost at 7,000 feet altitude last week. Texas Tech was the, the sexy pick to be the dark horse to win the Big 12. Well, so they're 0-1, lost to Wyoming, and here comes Oregon now to Lubbock, Texas. So that'll be an interesting game. Wisconsin, ranked number 19 right now with their new air raid hybrid offense, is going to Washington State. And Washington State has a high-flying passing attack. And so this will be a fascinating game. I mean, the Pac-12 could notch another feather in their cap if the Cougars could throw the ball against Wisconsin because right now Wisconsin's offense is not lighting things up. They're still trying to get things figured out. So, you know, there, there's some very interesting games that are that are going to be played this week. Trevor, you exert a lot of energy there. Uh, you were hyped up. Uh, you did your
0: homework, as you always do. And now you get to kind of take a break. So we'll let you go take a nap now to one of your favorite songs.
1: Oh, it's like a lullaby, TC. <laughs> it's like a lullaby. Thank you for that. I'll be like Rip Van Winkle. I'll catch you in 20 years. There
0: it is. Trevor Match is going to have his cookies and milk and take a nap <laughs> and go to bed to the sounds of Neil Diamond like a rock. The first time this has ever been played on the show and probably the last <laughs> time, I hope. <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. See what you do. You. When you bring up stuff like this, what numchuck does, I i gotta curtail i gotta curtail you guys Nothing unbelievable can probably one of the worst songs to go to top of the hour but that's okay just my brother i appreciate you look forward to you again you join us on on fridays and, and every week brother appreciate you thanks cc there it is trevor mad the best you need what you need. knows his music too but this song you can say Ay, you caramba